0: Hello, everybody. My name is Vasily, and on today's episode of Big Bottles to Small Bottles, we'll be talking about every pharmacy student's favorite topic, appy rotations. Joining me today are my two close friends, Jeffrey and Harry, who lived with me while they were completing their pharmacy rotations, and I was completing my PGY1 residency. So this is all a topic we're very uh, familiar with, and uh, we know a lot of each other's uh, funny stories from rotations. So I hope we're able to share that with you guys. Jeffrey, Harry, how are you guys doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Vasily. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and speak on your podcast once again. And hopefully we get to share some things with uh, people who potentially want to go into pharmacy today.
2: Yeah, I'm also doing great today. Um, I had my day off in a long time. I'm enjoying a time right now. And then I also thank you guys for inviting me to your podcast.
0: Yeah, glad to have you guys. So uh, appy rotations, I feel like it's a a stressful time for uh, every pharmacy student, right? I feel like API rotations are kind of hyped up a lot during your first few years of pharmacy school. uh, Obviously, our school was only three years, so we had two years of didactics followed by one year of rotations. And I feel like they really put a lot of uh, stress during the didactic years to be well prepared for rotations. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's how I felt. And... um, Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to say, like, I think our specific region that we picked with our regional coordinator, Dr. Scott, who is a very professional, uh, very strict, uh, but very well-respected person in the uh, pharmacy field, kind of made that even more nerve-wracking how did you guys feel about that process
1: there's definitely a lot of emphasis on you know rotations throughout our didactics uh for the first two years obviously like you want to learn as much as you can um but that's the primary goal is to like set you up to succeed during your rotations so they kind of beat that into us there's a lot of professors that highly stress like oh yeah rotations is gonna either like make or break you it's your time to shine to show what you're made of And um, it's kind of a segue into what you want to do with your pharmacy degree. So, of course, a lot of people, you know, they go towards the residency route. Uh, They try super hard during rotations. And um, again, they put it as a point of emphasis to really showcase what they learned during um, their two years of education. And then to you know bolster up their their CVs and to get the experience that they need in order to you know reach out to these programs uh, these residency programs in order to uh, like show what they're made of.
2: Yeah, I also agree. I remember in our second year, we had like a actually first year we had a meeting for um, Appies with all the current um, app rotation students. So when I was going through that and seeing what I learned, what I'm what I'm learning about things about pharmacy in first year and then seeing how people are happy and then doing a meetup with them, I was a little bit frustrated. Oh, I mean, not frustrated. Um, what's the right word? Flustered. Yeah, flustered. And then I was nervous of how happy are gonna go. But then, and also a lot of new um, pharmacy students are asking me, because they're going to the same rotation region of San Diego and how is how really is San Diego. But in hindsight, everything was not as scary and as as I expected. But when I was in didactics, yeah, Appy's so was pretty scary.
0: Yeah, so I guess a good preface to the Appy rotations is kind of how we go about selecting uh, different rotation sites at our school. Do you guys remember what the process was like?
1: Definitely. I mean, you went through it yourself. Um, it's kind of like a lottery style for choosing our rotation sites. Uh, they were all spread throughout California, and I mean, everybody was kind of you know stressed out about it. They had like this whole big event where they would have each of us individually walk up to the podium and then announce like where we're going and stuff like that. Um, so I mean, they did. They made us select the rotation or the site of rotations in our second semester which is honestly a little bit early just because you know like we really didn't have a foundation of like what we wanted to do there's like specific sites where you want to do specific things whether it's industry related or you know residency focused uh so definitely a very stressful time um and i mean it was also essentially like like because of the lottery system it's kind of not fair to everybody some people really got um, the shorter end of the stick, just because they would have higher numbers, and they would have to wait and get some of the sites that they really didn't want to to uh, attend.
2: Yeah, uh, I was really nervous because uh, I was doing the lottery with Jeffrey. Then Jeffrey had a <laughs> number, and then I my number was ninety nine, so I wasn't like a, right down in the middle. So I was able to take San Diego by the last spot. So was kind of nerve wracking um through the whole process and i was like well everything gets gets taken and then all the star star spots are being filled up for wherever i want to go and then i was lucky to be on san diego but if not then i would have been um i would have went to a uh, location where i didn't want to go so yeah it was nerve-wracking for me
0: (laughs) and uh what what was like the order of preference for you guys. I know for me, one of the first uh, regions that filled up was like the Bay Area. So San Jose, San Francisco uh, filled up first. And then I think San Diego filled up like third or fourth. And then obviously like the last spots to go were like Stockton, Bakersfield, Fresno, Uh, kind of just like the less desirable places to live in California. Although they still have great rotation sites in those regions, they're just a little bit less desirable to live in.
1: Oh, great save, facility. Um. Anyways, I think uh, the more desirable spots, obviously, because like they're bigger cities, you know, like metropolitan cities where you can, you know, go and have fun. Um, like Long Beach was a highly desirable location. So I think that was one of the first to go. And then the Bay Area rotation spots. Uh, I think I also highly prioritize those places just because I either wanted to focus on, you know, getting the best experience I possibly could. And if I, you know, if that wasn't going to happen, then I prefer to have a little bit of fun. Uh, I think what actually ended up happening was um, San Francisco and Long Beach were off the list by the time I was up to choose my spot. Uh, So I ended up, we were sitting in a group, it was me, Harry, and a couple of our other friends. And it was just by chance, one of them lived in San Diego. Um, And then we all thought it was a pretty good rotation site. And um, the regional coordinator, our regional coordinator, Dr. Scott, was also. Um, highly touted so we decided to all pick that location and that's kind of where we ended up
2: For me, um, San Jose uh, was my top choice because I currently live in San Jose and then my other choices were basically focused on uh, residency. Um, Other places were like Palo Alto, San Diego and San Jose was also known for residency and i actually didn't mind stockton because i was living in stockton and then i had heard about the stockton rotation from my one of my um peers and then they said it was pretty uh good experience so but there but um it was all filled up so i had no uh i was lucky to uh, get san diego rotation
0: wow so you guys san diego wasn't even your guys's like first pick Nah. So San Diego, I just say that because San Diego was my first choice. Um, I had a pretty good lottery number, so I was able to come here. And I think Harry kind of touched on this already, but I came here for like the residency experience. I remember, Dr. Scott like flashed; she's got like a really nice slide deck, and she was like, you know, out of the 15 students that have wanted a residency that came to San Diego, like 14 of them got one. So I was like, wow, I really want to go there. Um, but now, I guess we could talk about like uh, residency schedule making. And this is really kind of going to vary from uh, region to region and school to school, depending on how they do it. But uh, I think something that is really stressed if you want to pursue a residency is you want some cl- good clinical rotations early. So, internal medicine or ambulatory care, uh, or even some like good electives like infectious disease, psychiatry. Uh, critical care, stuff like that early. So you have stuff to speak on during your uh, residency interviews. Uh, Did you, me personally, I requested to have internal medicine first, and I was able to get internal medicine first, uh, followed by ambulatory care. Did you guys uh, request uh, any special uh, rotation uh, scheduling uh, from Dr. Scott uh, during kind of like the schedule making process? Um, Not so much the schedule making process. I think I kind
1: of like messed up in that regard because I was kind of always not like very transparent about wanting to do like a residency. It was kind of, I was on the fence about it and I kind of communicated that to Dr. Scott. So she gave me a schedule that was, I mean, kind of geared towards whatever, um, whichever direction I wanted to head towards. Uh, My first three were specialty uh, followed by... I think it was community and then hospital. So it's really wasn't like super geared towards residency at all, but toward um, during like my first rotation, I decided like, oh, this is the only opportunity I'm really gonna get if I really wanted to pursue a residency. So I asked her during that time and you guys were there too. I remember all, all three of us just being in my room and Vasily was just like, if you really want to do a residency, now's the time you have to reach out to Dr. Scott, email her immediately. And then, you know, like, if she gives you a change in your schedule that gets you more acute care rotations, then you'll have a better opportunity to, you know, apply and, like, be able to speak on a lot of different topics that, you know, these programs require. Uh, But ultimately, I mean, I wasn't able to do that. So, I mean, we could talk a little bit more about that later, but the scheduling process is really difficult for the regional coordinator to begin with, especially during COVID times. uh, And, I mean, it was just... it, it. it was difficult to make happen,
2: uh, given the situation. Um, for me, my special interest was in oncology, and then the, one of the reasons I wanted to do residency was because I wanted to um, pursue oncology. So Dr. Scott um, had accommodated for me to have uh, infectious disease, so no, sorry, not infectious disease, um, internal medicine, sorry about that, uh, as my first rotation, and then elected for hospice, and then oncology rotation after that to. Kind of have more exposure in that area so that was good for me to have more acute care focused on oncology to learn a lot more and then just learn the hospital inpatient hospital workflow um, with the internet medicine
0: did you guys have any uh scheduling i don't want to say fights but um discussions with dr scott i remember i was really fighting to get a managed care rotation And she told me, well, there's only one spot, and she's going to be very selective. And I was like, Dr. Scott, I did the P&T competition. Like, I'm the president of the managed care organization. Like, if you're going to be selective, like, it's going to – it should be me that gets that spot. Like, I was really fighting. That was, like, the one rotation that I really fought for. And then it ended up being canceled because of COVID, so. Uh, But did you guys have any experiences like that too, where you had to fight with Dr. Scott about your schedules or do you feel like uh, it it just kind of worked out and you guys went with it? I mean, not so much fight. Like I already mentioned, like
1: I requested and reached out multiple times and like followed up, but you know, like rotation schedules, once you're already in kind of like the year um, it's really hard to move people around. It's hard to open up like spots for people just because, You know, like, it it requires preceptors. or It requires someone to guide the student throughout the rotations. And on top of that, there has to be, like, incentives for these uh, rotations to actually take people. And, I mean, coordinating it all is very, very difficult. So I I don't hold anything against Dr. Scott um, in terms of the scheduling process and, like, uh, giving me the schedule that I had. Um, I think it was more so that I just needed to be, like, I need to put my foot down and, like, earlier on in order to get Something that was more, uh, geared towards what I I like if if I even wanted to consider residency. Yeah,
2: given that it was um when the COVID pandemic was at its peak, and then there was a high scare for the uh, COVID nineteen, we didn't have much choice. Um, all of, all of the <laughs> rotation sites were closing too, and then everyone other locations have been going virtual instead of in person so i guess we were just lucky to have whatever we have so i guess in that aspect we weren't too selective on our uh, rotation choices so we're just lucky to have what we have
0: and i just want to put this quick disclaimer in is i think dr scott did a phenomenal job accommodating everyone's schedule so uh in no in no way are we gonna bash on her at all in this podcast because she did a she did a great job and I I really enjoyed working with her yeah um, Doctor. moving in to uh the different rotations that are offered I think we should start with everybody's favorite and that is internal medicine uh Harry you also had internal medicine first uh do you want to share a little bit about your experience
2: yeah sure um Before the rotations all started, I was um, very scared because everyone's been telling me that internal medicine was the hardest uh, rotation that I had. And then I had to start with internal medicine. And then I was always thinking that, am I, do I have the clinical knowledge to be able to do internal medicine first? Wouldn't I have to like learn a little bit more before I go into internal medicine? But um, the preceptors that were, precepting the interdimensional implementation, we're all pretty um, aware that pa- uh, the students who are coming in first are not as clinically prepared as the students who are coming later because we have something called capstone, where people learn a little more as we go. So they kind of make the program fit to you to kind of make it a little bit more easier in a way to um, learn more. So. In that aspect, internal medicine was not too bad for me. I actually really enjoyed the experience because um, I was able to learn little by little and then um, learn over time to be able to really have a great experience, not um, be put into just do all the work up and everything. And day one, they kind of spread it out a little bit so that I have more experience over time. So it was good for me.
0: Yeah, I like what you said about... Um... The preceptors are understanding i feel like it's like a common misconception about pharmacy students where it's like you don't want to have internal medicine first and i guess jeffrey you could tell us if if we're wrong because you did <laughs> internal medicine a little bit later on but i feel like when you have internal medicine is like your first rotation you get cut a little bit more slack uh because you know you just don't have experience like what a rotation is So it's kind of like preceptors understand that you're like learning about like going from a classroom environment to now like a work environment almost, rounding with the team, uh, having discussions with doctors, preceptors, other pharmacists, pharmacy students, medical students. It's kind of like a big culture shock. So I feel like I definitely got cut a little bit more slack for having internal medicine first as opposed to people who had internal medicine a little later down the road where it's like you're expected to know what a rotation is about and you're expected uh, to know how to like work with a preceptor and work in a team and all of that. Uh, I don't know, Jeffrey, do you agree or disagree? Oh, I definitely agree.
1: I feel like timing was everything in regard at least to like to internal medicine and the other acute care rotations. Um, Just because, like, I had internal medicine in my fifth rotation, which is, like, basically our second to last one. And by that point, like, I guess the expectations of the preceptors, um, we did all, um, me and Harry did ours at the VA in San Diego. Um, They basically expect you to know the system because you've already had at least one rotation over there. Um, You've already had plenty of experience with other rotations, expectations from other preceptors. um, And at least your clinical knowledge should be pretty developed by that point in time. But also, I think that just because it was the fifth rotation, and at that point in time during the year, um, interviews and everything were kind of already towards the tail end for residency, at least, and industry, I guess, too, as well, um, they kind of, like, the preceptors realize that, you know, like, it's it's that point in time where you're not really trying to show off anymore as, like, a student to a preceptor. Like, they... I guess they definitely still care. They still want you to learn as much as possible, but they know that like the goal of the students that, you know, that have more acute care rotations toward the tail end of the year, they, they aren't prioritizing uh, residency. So, I mean, my, my preceptor, I'm not going to say like who it was, but she basically, she showed up for orientation. It was really great, like first day and everything. And then she went and went on a vacation for like a week and a half to, to Hawaii. So she basically left me on my own. I mean, that's not, Typically what happens, there's other preceptors that'll step in and they'll still teach me and stuff. But I think, like, based on the timing of when I had internal medicine, it just kind of played out that way. And not to say that, you know, like, I didn't have a good time or anything.
0: Yeah, that is a good point. I guess, like, once you get into, like, February, March, April, May, that time frame, like, residency interviews have already happened. And it's just, like, everybody gets, like, tired during the academic year and even though we don't get a summer break anymore in terms of, like, working, it's nice to have, like, a summer off with, like, out students to just kind of, like, do our normal day-to-day tasks without having to worry about, like, topic discussions and stuff from, like, a preceptor role. Not that I've precepted very many students, but... Mm. Uh, I guess what are some tips that you guys had? I guess, like, my biggest tips would be uh, know the basic design. disease state, heart failure, or patients like after a stroke or after an MI, so just kind of knowing all of that, just the basics, right, you know, beta blocker, statin, ACE or ARB, Um, and then your internal medicine preceptor can work with you to like really flesh out like the the nuances of the knowledge. Uh, Do you guys have, or what are your guys' tips? I mean, to add on to you, I guess all those
1: disease states, on top of that, just kind of know the guidelines, I guess, to like a degree where you can kind of describe what you know uh, for each topic. Try to stay up to date because like, I mean, they make changes basically every year. Um, Know which guidelines you're uh, referencing. So kind of like the the major ones, at least. Uh, I mean, internal medicine is very, very broad rotation it requires you to you know like work up a whole bunch of different patients their disease states um be able to make interventions be able to communicate with the medical team uh there's just a lot going on but like obviously your primary focus is to learn as much as you can for some people for myself it might even be like the only opportunity for you to you know kind of work in that type of environment too so just try to get the most out of it and you know prepare too as well because you know, there's there's going to be a lot of opportunities for you to impress the preceptor.
2: Um, for me, one of the biggest tips that I can give is to have a mindset that you don't know anything, and then you're just here to learn. Is the biggest thing because, um, of course, since you have never been exposed in the area, although you have you no know, have basic knowledge, there's always got to be something on top of it that you have never seen before, and you see this disease state on their patient's chart. I'm like, what is this data state, and then um, being have, like, having that mindset that you don't know too much, but you, you're willing to learn is the biggest thing because you're there to learn, right? And then um, one of the biggest thing also is to be able to use the um, resources pretty well because for me, I always use the up to date for my uh, disease state presentation, mm-hmm. and then like ph- clinical pharmacology for all the adverse effects that medication mm-hmm. can have, and then um, drug monitoring everything like that. And then, so I was able to use appropriate resources at right times, be able to kind of learn more. On my own, on top of what the researchers tell me, to kind of have my best best experience. Because even if you know like the basics of the basics, you're not gonna. Ha- even if you know the basics, um, you're not gonna learn as much unless you kind of go one step forward to look on look up on your own to really understand what's going on with the patient. Yeah,
0: and mm-hmm. something that you're kind of hinting at, Harry. Um, that I think I was as a student and I definitely saw in you and Jeffrey as students once I had a little bit more experience as a resident is to be curious right so always kind of being thinking like oh why do we do that okay so we do this for we do x for y so what happens when z happens then how does that relate to like xyz and so it's just kind of like showing that like you have like a little bit of a critical thinking process and of course you're going to be told to look stuff up so just like looking stuff up when it's appropriate and um, responding to your preceptors in a timely manner and just overall showing that you're like willing to learn. And you will in my opinion, you'll have a pretty much like a great internal medicine rotation. I mean, the hours are kind of rough. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I would get into the hospital at like six towards the end of the rotation, like closer to 630. And sometimes you don't leave until like four or five. So it's like 10, 11 hour days. Um, but yeah, that's what uh, I'd say, it's just be curious money. and look stuff up.
2: Yep. Wow. yep. Yeah, when we first started, uh, I went in around like four, and then try to come out around like five to six. So it was actually more than 12 hours when I first started, but as you get more used to the workup workflow, basically what you have to do in the morning is basically you have uh, patients in your floor, and you have to work up those patients to be able to uh, understand what their disease state is and what kind of pharmacotherapy that you can do for the patient or any like updates or any recommendation you can make to the medical team. So working up that process uh, was kind of hard at first, but as you keep doing a little bit more, um, you get used to it. And then that workout time a uh, workup time comes a little bit um, shorter and shorter as you get more used to it. So I was able to go on by like six in the end of the rotation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I started at 4, too, but then I kind of, you know, needed my sleep a little bit more. So I started going in around, like, 6 or 7. I mean, uh, basically, like, the schedule for every day is you work up your patients. You can come in as early as you want. You can even, like, stay at the VA if you really wanted to. But, like, um, we would have a pre-workup with our preceptors at around, what was it, like, 8, probably, where we just discussed, like, the patients um, that we had for the day or for our team. Uh, So like the whole goal, at least for the morning, is to be able to make some interventions with the medical team uh, and be able to, you know, communicate like, oh, this uh, therapy is incorrect or like you make adjustments whenever needed. Um, So the schedule for internal medicine is kind of rough. Like a lot of people aren't able to, you know, properly utilize like the time that they have away from the rotation just because most of it is just like spent either doing follow ups or, you know, getting sleep, catching up on sleep. So I think internal medicine is very rigorous, uh but at the same time very rewarding because of the amount that you can learn
0: yeah I, I remember uh when I was an appy student, my housemate she she would come home on Friday at like seven and she would just cake and she would yeah. be out for the whole night from like seven p m to like ten a m and that was like so we didn't do much on the weekends when um oh, yeah when when we were on internal medicine. Uh, But I guess, Harry, after having internal medicine first, right, I kind of felt like the rest of rotations was like a downhill slide. So like ambulatory care, um, obviously, depending on where you do it, but um, I felt like ambulatory care was pretty easy after doing internal medicine because it's way less patients, right? You're not working up a whole team. You're just, you know, reviewing like the four or five patients that you'll see that day or like in that half day clinic period that you have. Uh, And the disease states are obviously all focused, right? It's like a hypertension clinic or a diabetes clinic. It's not like my patient has like eight disease states that I all need to manage. It's like focused in on one disease state. So I felt like uh, ambulatory care was pretty easy. How about you guys? I I
2: mean, on sorry about that. Uh, I think it just depends on the workflow that you normally have with internal medicine, and then transitioning to um, having to do more. I guess, on hand things on top of just having something to do on the side for learning, and then just having more um, actual experience in the pharmacy kind of thing. So because of that, I think it was a little bit um, easier, like um, Vasily said, when I had interim medicine first, because it was basically longer hours with more clinical knowledge that you needed. But as you keep going on with other rotations, less uh, hours and then more focused on each different um, disease states.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, for ambulatory care, you're primarily focusing on like a smaller subset of maintenance diseases. So like you're not accountable for as much, nearly as much information, I guess. But definitely like the people in ambulatory care have a lot of uh, knowledge in regards to those specific disease states. So it's a lot more extensive. But at the same time, um, you're doing a lot of patient interviewing So you get a lot of one-on-one contact and just communicating, like, expectations on, like, pharmacotherapies. Uh, It's a different experience, I would definitely say. Uh, In my personal opinion, yeah, it was a lot easier just because of the hours again. Um, But then again, I had a preceptor who was kind of, like, really strict about journal clubs and, like, staying on top of these disease states and, like, having to do patient cases so he, he'd be the type of person where if you had to, like, write up a journal club, he would write up his own and then have, like, all of his own, like, little comments to make. And he would compare his to yours and then ask you a whole bunch of questions. I mean, it was a good time. But, uh, yeah, in, in comparison, uh, internal medicine was a little bit more rig- rigorous.
0: And I guess I kind of misspoke. I guess internal medicine, you have a lot of bre- breadth. But in am care, when you're focusing on one disease state, it's a lot more depth, right? So like internal Mm -hmm. medicine is like, oh, yeah, we're going to start a statin, like high intensity statin's fine, like just do it, right? But I guess in ambulatory care, it comes down to like more exactly like, okay, like how much does increasing a atorvastatin from 40 milligrams to 80 milligrams, how much LDL lowering do you expect, right? 8%, Mm 10%, 12%, or 15.2%. And it's like the ambulatory care pharmacists like really know that knowledge, like the back of their hand. So I guess you do get a lot more depth in the specific field um, that you're kind of working in. I know I did anti Coag, uh, a warfarin clinic, and um, I still use everything I learned in that clinic today mm-hmm. when I'm dosing my warfarins, in, uh, my inpatient. Hospital practice and uh, if someone tries to tell me that I'm doing it wrong. I'm like, I, I don't think I don't think I am because like I <laughs> learned from pharmacists that like dose warfarin all day every day like yep. this is this is how I was taught like I, I think it's like the best way to dose warfarin. Um, yeah, but that's just my opinion. Yep. Anyways one thing that I would also like to say is I feel like a lot of the uh, internal medicine um, tips that we gave, like know the guidelines, be curious, uh, be willing to like work and uh, respond to questions promptly. Those kind of like are just general applications to like across every clinical rotation at least. Um, so ambulatory care and any clinical electives that you have, uh, if as long as you do those, I think you're 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 going to set yourself up for success. Uh, we all did. You guys both do your ambulatory care rotations at the VA.
1: I did mine at the VA. I don't remember where Harry did. Where did you do yours, Harry? Uh,
2: my ambulatory care, ambulatory care rotation was supposed to be at the Naval Medical Center, but then uh, because of COVID, it was canceled. So I had a rotation, uh, elective rotation for uh, VMRC, so th- something that you, only UOP has. So it was something that was non-traditional. So I can't really relate with uh, in hospital ambulatory care.
0: Oh Thank yeah, you. I remember that when you would have to do your like ten ten slide PowerPoint presentations, and I would <laughs> give you crap because I had yeah. to do like a seventy slide presentation for my. Well, day. it
2: was it was like daily or weekly presentations. I guess if you com- try to compare a uh, grand round to like a weekly just discussion and so yeah that that could be something i had to do a little bit less but i had, looked, had more of more frequency of the um, powerpoints
0: yeah i suppose that's a fair point <laughs> so harry i'm sorry to cut you out of this but jeffrey like what clinics did you have what
1: clinics um let's see i think two primary clinics right we had just one like general one where you would be in charge of the, the disease states uh, maintenance disease states like diabetes hypertension heart failure things like that and then my other primary uh clinic would be anticoag so same as you i think we both had dr scott's anticoag clinic for warfarin coumadin clinic and it was really really like specific but also very very enlightening on like how frequently you know you have to do dosing adjustments and like follow up with your patients to see how they're doing if there's facing any problems, if their diets are changing, things like that. So it was a very, very enlightening experience. Uh, I honestly really liked Amcare, um, given that, you know, you get a lot of patient interaction. And yeah, it was a good time for me.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's one of the areas I struggled with Amcare is like uh, patient interviewing, because I'm just Mm. a very much like, here's the parameters, start this treatment type of guy. And in Amcare, it's a lot more like talking it out with people and like, yeah. okay, it's for diabetes uh, in the primary care clinic. Primarily what we focused on was diabetes. It's a lot of like, how are you eating? What are your blood sugars like? What side right. effects are you having from your medications? It's not like, oh, uh, your A1C is you know 7.2, start metformin, and then we'll see you back in two weeks to start glipizide, right? It's more of yeah. like a, a discussion and it's uh, motivational interviewing, which is something that Definitely. I really struggled with.
1: Yeah. I mean, not to say that it was like my strength or anything, but like having the ability to kind of make small adjustments throughout the course of a conversation with the patient is pretty empowering. You know, like you could say like, oh, just like cut down on sugars or like implement more vegetables into your diet, you know, exercise a little bit more. These small things make a big difference. And, you know, if you keep on like communicating and initiating these types of things, it should have a positive
0: influence or at least I'd, I'd like to hope so. Yeah, so I'd say I guess one thing to maybe focus on, uh, in addition to uh, everything we talked about in internal medicine, is just kind of reviewing how to be a good motivational interviewer. Um, how do you, like like what you said, how do you lead a conversation uh, without being rude in yeah. the direction that you want it to go and then kind of have a patient discover their own desire to improve their health because telling someone they need to take something doesn't work you need them to want to take something Mm -hmm. so i feel like that is something that uh, every great ambulatory care pharmacist wants to like aspire to
1: yeah no definitely i think i really respected um some of the preceptors that i worked with during ambulatory care just because of the way they communicated it was they used very like you know generalized terms that made it seem like oh they're just having a conversation it's not really like someone's above the other like you're not speaking down to the patient you're not telling them what to do you're kind of giving small pieces of guidance so that like they can want to do it and there, these are also like changes that are possible for them like you're not going to go for the home run you're going to make small changes initially so that they can gradually work their way to maintain you know a level of control over their health condition. um, And that's honestly the goal. You you want the patient themselves to be able to, you know, take control of their lives, their livelihood and everything like that.
0: Yeah. So I feel like internal medicine and ambulatory care are like the two big rotations. And then kind of after that, um, there's like obviously hospital and community practice, which I feel like we can kind of lump together. I don't know about you guys, but definitely for community, I feel like you're, you're, you are a worker bee in community. Um, yeah. By the end of my community rotation, I was like practically running the pharmacy, like answering phones, handling insurance problems. Cause I also had a retail experience prior to doing my community pharmacy rotation. So it was like, um, I just felt like I was doing a lot of work on those rotations. Uh, how did you guys feel?
1: Yeah, they might as well have paid us for like the community rotation. We were just doing intern work basically the entire time. Uh, I guess it's good practice, you know? It's like a continuation of Ippies where you basically go to a retail um, or community settings for pharmacy and you just work it out. You learn kind of the basics of how to run a retail setting. Uh, you get good exposure, uh, but overall, if you're not like super set on going into retail or becoming a retail pharmacist, then it's not exactly necessary to like your overall goal if it's like more of a clinical directed um, direction that you're taking.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree with you guys. Uh, community was a little bit of just doing uh in a way, uh free labor, yeah, I agree with you guys on that, but I had a community rotation where I had to do mtm on top of the um community rotation, so for that, I didn't have a too good of an experience because ideally it should work um because the uh, mtm sh- is only on the phone so I had to call all the patients to try to do an Mtm, but um it's like eighty percent of the time that I couldn't reach the patient so Half of my time, I was just um, not able to talk to the patient. So, in that aspect, I didn't have that great of a time with community rotation.
0: But on the times you were able to reach the patient, Harry, because that's a unique experience, right? Like, I feel like definitely less than like half of the uh, people that do a community rotation have that experience. What was it like on the like few occasions you were able to reach the patient?
2: Yeah. So. Um... Like I said, it was hard in the first because I wasn't able to have a great time with a lot of having to call a lot of patients, but not being having a good response. But those like twenty ten percent of patients who actually responded, and then actually I was able to do a clinical, um, I guess have a good clinical impact on their care, was what made up for that um experience. Because one of the patients, for example. Uh, was just discharged from the hospital with um, acute uh, exacerbation of heart failure, but he really didn't know how to take his medications. So I was able to go over his medications one by one to make sure the patient understands what it's for and then if he has any hardships uh, on taking those medications and then try to resolve those issues to make sure that patient doesn't go to the hospital again because if the patient doesn't know how to take medications once they're discharged, there's an issue where there's a Higher chance it's going to end up in a hospital again. So I think MTM in that aspect is very important. So if I'm able to do an MTM intervention, I really like doing MTM and then it's a great experience. But it's just that um, the frequency of being able to do a good MTM while you're on MTM rotation is very low, given that you just have to um, rely on the phone call and the phone number the patient um, puts on the profile.
0: And okay. was it like a full MTM interview? SCMS. Or was it?
2: comprehensive medication review uh going over entire medication list i guess so there this was some... like
0: a 20 minute phone call right this wasn't like a quick like hey are you taking your hydrochlorothiazide okay good see you later like this was like a long yeah. interview yeah. and everything mm-hmm. wow that's very cool i could definitely like for me when even like inpatient when i could just get to talk to people right and uh um, mm-hmm. i remember at the va i had this one guy who's like, you know, like my dad, he's like taking all these meds. Could you just take a second and like say what they do? And I was like, yeah, like beta blockers, right? Like they slow your heart rate down. They help like prevent death and heart failure, right? They're They're going to protect your dad's heart. Like ACE inhibitors, they help prevent his heart from remodeling, right? And I feel like just like tying simple things, you know, in that are saying like, hey, each of these medications actually has a purpose and we're not just like – Slap like slapping meds on you just to because we want you to take more pills, but like each of these medications actually like works a cool way in your body, yeah. and kind of like when his uh, when when the son realized that he's like, oh yeah, like I'm actually gonna like really work with my dad now to get him to take all of these medications. So f- f- moments like that are very rewarding, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, those like um, I was on that day I was calling like fifty to hundred patients. And then I wasn't getting a good response, but it was close to the end of the day. And then when I, w- I was able to talk to the patient and the patient like really um, appreciating what I do for the patient, um, that actually made my day. Uh, so it's very rewarding when you do those, those kind of interventions. I just and want then, to ask, Lee, uh, you, uh, what's your favorite rotation?
0: <laughs> I mean, obviously my favorite rotation was internal medicine um Mm. that was like i I don't know i just i just felt so at home you know like just coming in working up patients rounding with the team it's just it's all like stuff that i just really enjoyed doing and it's kind of actually the reason that i pursued an acute care residency over like a general or am care residency which is what i kind of initially wanted to do was because i just enjoyed internal medicine so much which is like very kind of like Weird in the pharmacy world, like I guess not a lot of people enjoy it, but that was my favorite rotation. I don't know what was your guys's
2: for me was also um internet medicine because I remember um coming back home after my rotation and you coming back from your residency, and then we would just sit on our table and talk about the patient cases that we had. And then for me, I kind of had some more learning experience from you because you were more. Um I guess clinically adapt when I started my internet medicine meditations I was kind of i I really liked um talking to you um during those times and then learn a little more oh. and then be able to talk about that yeah, it was fun <laughs> uh
1: I guess for me, my favorite would have to be I actually like psych a lot I mean it combines like elements of both internal medicine and like amp care where you do patient interviews and you would have the opportunity you know kind of round with the the psych team talk about like all the medication therapies and everything um but the thing is like there are a lot of nuances in psych um, pharmacotherapies like you see a lot of things that you don't typically see when you learn about uh like these types of medications like there are regimens that you know like patients will be taking like six or seven different types of like antidepressants not together but like they've trialed different ones and then some of these doses might even be like off-label so it's a lot that you learn that's kind of like away from the books and the literature that you see uh which is really interesting so i kind of like that and there's a lot of freedom in terms of you know the different types of clinics that you could sign up for and attend so i enjoyed that the most
0: I think you bringing up psych uh, is like a great segue into the the last little bit of our discussion here. Uh, But to just kind of summarize what we've talked about, internal medicine, ambulatory care, community, and hospital are all required rotations, at least at our school. And I'm pretty sure it's like a pharmacy school accreditation standard that those are core rotations. So every student will have to take those. And then after that, you're like set up with uh, two electives at our school and then other schools offer more depending on how many total rotations you do. If you have four required, the rest are electives. Um, Jeffrey, you mentioned psych. You really liked psych. What was the other elective that you did? Uh, so that was actually my
1: first rotation. It was um, it was specialty. Um, due to the conditions of COVID, uh, we had to do it remote. So my very first one, I was sitting the uh, first day, of rotation i was just sitting at home in front of my computer waiting for my preceptor to show up at like 6 a.m and basically you know like specialty is kind of encompasses all the medications that you would see in a retail setting but it's more so like for health conditions that aren't typically like treated they're not like maintenance diseases so i guess like you know like cancers or um like i guess graves disease or things like that i i, I don't know I, I i didn't learn too much on that rotation to be honest it, it was all like mock trials and mock interviews and things like that they did their best to give us the experience that we would have had if it was in like an in-person setting but honestly like you can't only do so much remotely um given that you don't have like a lot of the uh like, it it doesn't allow you to actually talk to patients or get into their system, things like that. So it was all just kind of on the fly up for that rotation.
0: And how did you end up with psych as an elective? I'm just curious, because you had that last, right? Did you want to do psych? I uh, actually, like, preface
1: to Dr. Scott that psych was one of my areas of interest, I think. Because in the beginning, before rotations even started, we had to do, like, our little... What was it? She gave us like a list of questions of things like we were interested in. I think psych was one of them while we were um, ranking like our rotation sites and everything. Uh, So, yeah, she I guess she decided to just give me psych because like at least it was something that I was kind of passionate about uh, prior to rotations even starting. So I guess thanks to Dr. Scott. Yeah, I was able to get a rotation that I really enjoyed.
0: Nice. And Harry, you were talking about this earlier with uh, oncology. You had oncology as one of your electives. Uh, and then your, I forget, oh, you had uh, the um, hospice. The hospice, yeah. How did you like those two rotations?
2: Yeah, those rotations were great. Um, those are my, I guess, I, on hindsight, my favorite rotation was oncology, not internal medicine, because I really enjoyed um, oncology rotation. Um, so the reason why I had hospice and oncology was because hospice, I learned a lot of supportive care that patients get um, that uh, like chemotherapy, um uh, like uh, chemotherapy and there's nausea and vomiting, or any like constipation or any like sedatives that patients get. those kind of things uh, I learned a lot during hospitalization. I was able to see um a lot of different type of uh, pain management too. so, I was able to see uh, patient-controlled analgesia uh, um, and also a lot of um opioid therapeutic equivalence, titration. You now that uh, in that aspect, hospice was a good segue into oncology because I was able to use that knowledge to patients who had, who were going under chemotherapy, who had all the, all the adverse effects from the chemotherapy and then we were, just, were needing that um, supportive care the patient needs <laughs> to be able to withstand that um, chemotherapy and then to being able to see um, the regimen the patients take while uh, based on what the um, cancer type the patient has and then uh, what kind of regimen the patient should get based on all of the lab values and the stage the patient's in. So since I'm so interested in oncologies, those were my favorite, um, one of my favorite, oh, actually I've enjoyed most of my rotations, but one of my favorite rotations that I really liked because I learned a lot um, during my oncology rotation and I had a good experience at the hospital station, but I was able to continue to have that um, experience by getting a job in that pharmacy and then have more experience in that, in that field too.
0: And uh, I guess for your psychiatry rotation, Jeffrey, and your uh, oncology rotation, Harry, were those rounding rotations? Because I know they're clinical rotations, uh, but did you guys round with them? Was it more like in the clinic setting? Uh, can you guys just explain a little bit about those? Yeah, so we basically
1: for psych, you would round just like you would for internal medicine. Uh, you would, They give us actually more time because uh, the rounding schedule is a little bit different. I think they round at around 10 o'clock. Um, so we do get to talk with the medical team. I do still have a preceptor that I kind of talk about the patients that we have on our team for the day. We go over like, discuss therapies,
0: see if anything's
1: going on with them but it's more so like the psych patients are more long term, uh, especially if they're you know in the VA. Um, they tend to stay for like like days, even weeks. so there's a lot of continuation in the therapies and it's just more so like uh, keeping up with them, doing daily uh, interviews, seeing how they're doing on the changes in therapy that they do have. Uh, so rounding is a lot I guess less stressful. Because um, of the, I guess, consistency in the patients that you see. Uh, overall, yeah, there's also freedom in the mm-hmm. clinics that you attend. So, uh, in the afternoons, I would have clinics with different types of uh, preceptors. Some would do, uh, you know, like depression, like different disease states, um, mental diseases. Some would be like Alzheimer's clinics. So, it was great. It was, it was a lot of uh, diversity that I was able to encounter.
2: For me, uh, my oncology rotation was also a rounding rotation. The one thing that I really liked about the rounds is that it was at 3 p.m. so I didn't have to wake up in the morning to uh, get ready to do rounds. I was able to go in and like, the hours are really good for oncology rotation. I, that's what I really liked about oncology rotation. But uh, throughout the oncology experience, um, my day-to-day would have been, um, we have public discussions that I have to prepare to be able, that I have to, present a topic to the uh, preceptors and then discuss the therapy. And also, I had clinic that I went for the outpatient infusion centers. And then we also had rounding um, daily. And I was also in the oncology room to learn more about um, infusions that patient gets and then what the pharmacist does to be able to provide chemotherapy and then um, provide the supportive care the patient needs. Based on what the adverse reactions that chemotherapy can have, the regimen can have.
0: Nice. Those sound like really cool rotations. Um, I really like the idea of having like clinical elective rotations, uh, especially if you want to pursue residency. You definitely want to try to get honestly anything clinical. Like psych is a great experience. Yep. Oncology is a great experience. I did psych and infectious disease, and I think infectious disease is a great experience. Um, really, anything clinical you can get your hands on, and then uh, if you're if you're not interested in doing a residency, I know a lot of people found success with like a specialty pharmacy getting hired right out of rotations, especially if you have specialty pharmacy a little later in the year, because you're like already like hip with that organization's system, their workflow, everything, and you're basically a pharmacist for like your last rotation or two uh, in terms of like what you know and how you can operate. So I know a lot of people found success in that as well. No, yeah,
1: definitely take advantage of your electives. Like for me, I think it might be the one time where you can explore all of these different areas and really, I I don't want to say have like no repercussions to the things you do, but be able to have someone to guide you, you know, like actually have pharmacists to, be able to tell you oh that's that's not something you should be able to do and, and still have like the full experience because you have like you're making changes to a patients lives you're, you're changing their therapies and everything like that so diver- diversify like if if your specific rotation site gives you the opportunity to like double up on community i would say don't do that because you're kind of just wasting you know a good amount of the time that you do have and this very very like niche time of your life because rotation is a very yeah very special time i would say
2: I definitely agree with Jeffrey. I think diversifying is something that I didn't think about when I was going into rotation because I was so focused on being just doing oncology. But I really appreciated internal medicine, and then um, infectious disease I learned during the rotation. So I had a lot of, and also cardiology. So I had a lot of great experiences during internal medicine that I found interest in a lot of different um, disease states that I've been had. I didn't think that i had interest in so i guess diversifying and seeing what's out there is what's very important in rotations and trying to see if you would like to um work in that field i think that's what's most important to see if you enjoy the rotation and then if you want to pursue that um career or not yeah that's i think that's the biggest thing Jeffrey said yeah
0: and kind of what you mentioned earlier too harry like if you're If you're trying to get a PGY2 in something, like getting that first experience uh, as an appy student with like oncology or whatever you want to pursue a PGY2 in um, can really like set you up to see if you, you know, enjoy that experience or not. So it can help you shape your PGY1 and eventually like your career trajectory. I guess, as we kind of wrap this episode up and bring it to a close, do you guys have any other like final takeaway points you want to leave the audience with?
1: I mean overall for rotations, it's gonna be stressful. it's gonna be a lot of work, but you're gonna learn so much. It's very, very valuable um, at any point in any pharmacist's life to utilize the rotations as something to you know expand your mind, you know, be able to have a little bit of fun too to like see like the different potential areas in pharmacy that you might not be able to ever experience again so just do everything that you can um to make rotations like a very very impactful time
2: yeah that's pretty much it a Simple way to put it is if i can do it you can do it kind of thing uh people are scared of the rotations but i feel like if you really give in your effort to really learn i think it will be a great time
0: Yeah, I really like what you guys both said, and I would honestly encourage people to, uh, you know, take, don't forget about, like, self-care, too, you know, like, you got to spend time and do what you enjoy outside of rotations or work, so, like, if you want to go to the bar, have a few drinks with your friends, go to the gym, I know we played a lot of basketball, just, like, small things like that to help, like, refresh uh, and reset, you know, during your time off.
1: Definitely. Take care of yourselves.
0: Yep. Alright guys, well thanks for stopping by and until next episode, have a good one. Thanks, Masubi.